Hello and welcome to That Film Studio. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Written and directed by Ryan Johnson, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery is the mystery film starring Daniel Craig. It is the sequel to Knives Out, with Craig reprising his role as master detective Benoit Blanc. The movie is out now on Netflix, but if you haven't watched Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. A sequel was greenlit by its original distributor, Lionsgate, in 2020, but Netflix bought the rights to two Knives Out sequels in 2021 for $469 million. Glass Onion had a one-week limited theatrical release in November 2022 and began streaming on Netflix in December. It is now January. Here we are. Luke, you have the plot. (laughs) The fresh adventure finds the intrepid detective Benoit Blanc at a lavish private estate on a Greek island, but how and why he comes to be there is only the first of many puzzles. Blanc soon meets a distinctly disparate group of friends gathering at the invitation of billionaire Miles Bronn for their yearly reunion. Among those on the guest list are Miles' former business partner, Andy Brand, current Connecticut Governor Claire DiBella, cutting-edge scientist Lana Lionel Tucson, fashion designer and former model Birdie J, and a contentious assistant Peg and influencer Duke Cody and his sidekick girlfriend Whiskey. As in all the best murder mysteries, each character harbours their own secrets, lies and motivations. When someone turns up dead, everyone is a suspect. So, a sequel to Knives Out. We, I think we both enjoyed that movie thoroughly. It was... It was a hell of a good time. We we both enjoy the murder mysteries and Daniel Craig leading lead the charge with his charismatic American detective <laughs> persona with his Kentucky accent. It's oh, I loved what a great, his what a great accent. Loved his accent and that. I think it's been a few years, so what, 2019? I think I picked this as my favourite movie of the year. Pretty sure it was number one. I watched it, instantly loved it. And I've seen it a few times since then. And the movie just holds up. It really does. That movie was fantastic. This is very early in the review. I've seen this movie the one time. Pretty sure it was released on Christmas Eve. Or maybe the day before, maybe the 23rd, but it was just before Christmas. I didn't instantly love it, but I did <laughs> instantly love Knives Out. But it is great seeing Craig back as Benoit Blanc. And what's interesting, when we first saw him as the character, he was still Bond. No Time to Die hadn't been released yet. Now it's Craig after Bond is now officially in a different part of his career. And no matter what my opinion ends up being on this film, I would just love for him to keep making these. Every couple of years, Ryan Johnson, Daniel Craig, make another one. I mean, what's good is that, you know, like what's proven in this movie is that each one of these can be something a little bit different a lot different as long as we've still got the Benoit Blanc character at the center of it we can have a completely different setting and you know we might have some misses along the way but we might have some some great hits with this with this movie I struggled at the start I think because of the jarring differences of what this movie was giving us compared to that first one you know like that one was so intimate it was a family you kind of got it it it, it was like a murder mystery in a in a house and then it kind of went from there but with this it was like 
you know, like we, we open with a bunch of characters and they're, they're opening these puzzle boxes and then suddenly like we're on a yacht, we're going to this island and it's like, this is very strange. Everyone seems to be a bit of an asshole in, in, some, in some regard. The movie seemed to tackle for some reason, but also not any real clear reasons, a lot of contemporary modern issues and happenings. Like, like COVID is very much a present like aspect of this movie at the start but then as soon as they get to the island it's sort of like because of like it's like oh no like we've got a uh, a vaccine thing like it, it's it won't it, it's not an issue it's sort of like why did they include that stuff you've got characters at the start talking about things like being woke and you know like women's rights male men's rights all that kind of and it's just like I kind of just hated everybody from the get-go purely because it seemed the movie just seemed very politically motivated in some way. But then uh, once you move past all of that, it just becomes a fun it, yes. of a murder mystery. And I'm like, what was all the crap at the start? I don't and it's know. interesting. It, it yeah, I mean, all the crap at the start, like, I mean, the movie, we find out at the opening of the film that it takes place May 2022. That's why COVID is mentioned. Didn't expect it. And I was watching with a wife. And she's like, oh, they're not just going to wear the masks, are they? Because you've not seen the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) But like you say, they have this vaccine that apparently millionaires have. And then they quickly remove the masks and they move on. It's just like the, like people are comparing the, Edward Norton character, Miles, to Elon Musk. Yeah. But when this movie was written and made, Elon had not bought Twitter and he wasn't doing everything he's doing at the moment. So it's it was kinda, almost like a happy accident. That yeah, that it happened, happened the way that it did. But what we do get with this film, just like we got in that first movie, an incredible cast. We've got such a good cast. But before we get to that, Ryan Johnson, let's talk about him for a moment because I recently went back and rewatched Looper, which I'd only watched when it first came out. I've not got around to Brothers Bloom yet, but I saw what I think is his first film, Brick, with Joseph Gordon Lovett. And that's essentially a detective noir, but set in a high school. I remember watching that when it first came out like he's got a an interesting voice i'm very interested in what he does like star wars the last jedi more so star wars fans tend to not like more like hardcore star wars fans tend to not like that film because it feels very different which they clearly was going for something a little bit different and then disney or whoever decided to play it safe and just forget that film and do a whole thing with The Last Jedi. But I'm very interested in Ryan Johnson. And then just hearing how disappointed he was when he was told he had to include a Knives Out mystery in the title. He just wanted to call it Glass Onion. He was told he couldn't. I'm guessing it was Netflix, as they've not only bought this film, but greenlit the third film as well. Sure. So they're like, Mr. Johnson, we are buying Knives Out as an IP. You need to have it in the title. And he's probably like, but it doesn't really make sense because the first movie was called Knives Out. But I guess they want audiences to have yeah, that it, association. It's just a marketing thing. At the Absolutely. Day, that, that is. That is all it is. But he just wanted and, two words, the, glass onion. And the title card. In this movie, it it's purely just glass onion. There you go. So there you go. That's I'm sure he considers that a win. <laughs> they probably were like, okay, fine, we'll allow it. People have already clicked. They're, they're watching. It's all good. But um, Benoit yeah, Blanc, look, he he's the through line. Like he's the character that is going to appear in all of these movies. Anything, he's the the connective tissue. Benoit Blanc mystery that does make more sense doesn't it from a marketing position though knives out that's the Mm -hmm. exactly that's the that's the movie you know johnson did 
state that he briefly considered a running joke of having Craig play Benoit Blanc with a different accent in each <laughs> film. Really... Just mix it up. Like each film is like, oh, now he's French. Oh, now he's German. But no, we can't, no I we do get like the Southern they're, accent. They're being, they're being consistent with him. And I do like that it's sort of much like an onion. They're, they're, each movie seems to be peeling back a little bit of like his story like who he is and stuff like we get to meet his what seems to be his life partner played by Hugh Grant very minor role is is that just because boyfriend sounds too immature <laughs> that you say a life partner I look I yeah I don't know I feel like they're I mean, they boyfriend are, does sound young but yeah he's, he's in a relationship <laughs> I feel like his partner his life partner his I mean they could be are they married maybe who knows I don't know. Yeah, okay, life partner. But anyway, he's in a relationship with a character played by Hugh Grant, which was which was fun. I mean, there's quite a few cameos in here. I mean, Ethan Hawke appears briefly as Miles' assistant, is credited as efficient man in in the credits. Joseph Gordon Lovett, I didn't realize at the time, but he's the voice of Miles' clock. So when the clock goes every hour. Joseph Gordon love it. And again, it goes back to that move they did together, Brick. Yeah. Um, but let you know, let's talk about some of the like the actual characters that have more than one line or a, a clock chime. Uh, we can noise. start there. We, I mean, I referenced them earlier, but yeah, let's let's actually start with them. Well, we can rather than like because you went through all the characters, we can go through the actors that are in this movie just because I was like, I'm not going to make you say all the actors' names against the characters in the synopsis because that would have been too much for you. But Edward Norton, as our, as our, you know, the lead, the Elon Musk type character, um, Janelle Monet, as, as, I mean, which one is the first one? Um, is, it, is it Andy? She's playing Andy first, but then there's that whole twist after, which we'll get to, and she's the other Vista character. It's crazy. So she's at the centre. She's surprisingly at the centre of the movie, we find out. Um, Catherine Hahn, she's just always a delight to see. I, I mean, I she is, but are they... we are we not going to talk about these characters? Are we just going to... Just I don't know. There's list. a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, there is there is a there is a lot I of them. I think maybe about, maybe we'll talk about like just like you know. Do you like want to talk about them? Or... Like I don't know. I mean, let, let's Miles Bron. Miles Bron. What Miles. they said it with. Oh, let's start. We had none. Like what they're doing with his character. So again, he's the it ends up being the Elon Musk character, whether that was the intent or not. Johnson has said that wasn't the intent. It's just a happy accident that people are drawing those parallels. But there's so much going on with him. Like he's basically his character is just buying things because they're expensive or they're deemed to be sought after. So therefore, he wants them. The way that he he dresses, it's it's like he's always basing things of himself on other things. And it, the movie is essentially saying with that. He hasn't got an original idea. Every idea he has, he takes. And that's when you've got, whether it's, we're saying Andy or the sister. Which one was it? Was Helen the one that Andy, died? And Andy, Hel- is the, Andy is the one that's actually in the friend group. So, Right, so Helen is the one that worked with him back in the day and he just stole her ideas and he got successful and, and cut her out. The friends left her behind. And then I didn't realize it until afterwards, but there's I saw a screenshot side by side comparison of Ed Norton in Glass Onion and Tom Cruise in Magnolia. Same hairstyle, <laughs> same outfit. Yeah. So that again is just adding that this guy, everything about him, he takes from other people, which is and pretty that's cool. The whole, that's the whole setup with this group of friends that he's used them essentially to make his millions in a way sort of got them all set up and and because he's done that he kind of has them all hostage to to him it's like they all owe him in a way even though he obviously doesn't make that clear with them but it's kind of like this un unspoken unwritten thing that they all owe him in a way and therefore they'll go to his stupid island murder mystery party um and again i like i like the whole setup of it 
it's like they're actually there for a game. They're there for a murder mystery game party thing. But then it turns into a a whole real thing. And yeah, it's it's good. The setup does work, but what we're getting from Ed Norton here is the most fun he's been on screen. In the longest time, I can't remember the last time that I, I watched mean, like a fun Ed Norton performance. Well, I mean, it's I, really enjoyable in this. Do you watch like the Wes Anderson films? Not you the know, most like recent the... ones, but yeah, but they've got a quirkiness to them, and and yeah, they can be silly. And yeah, okay, maybe that would have been a place that I'd see a fun Ed Norton, but place, just he's pretty much goofy, like in all of them, like he does his. Maybe like, I need to catch up. Maybe we need to catch up on those. But, yeah, I was just watching him in this. and think, oh, this is just really refreshing, like, seeing him do this kind of role. You mentioned Janelle Monet, So she is playing the, the dual role. But who she's really playing? She's this movie's Anna de Armas character. Yeah, she's the one at the centre and... Yeah, this it's just so cool. Right. I think to talk about a character, we really need to talk about the review because as we're going like throughout the movie, I mean, I spent the first half of the movie trying to work out well, who's the one that dies, like who is the who is the murderee of this sort of this, that's not a word. Um, and then it's like, is it the Edward Norton character? And then it's not. And then it's like, oh, it's suddenly it's 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 Duke Dave Batista's character and. But then, no, it's like, on top of that, there's another mystery. It's like someone tried to kill Miles, accidentally killed Duke. But before all that, it's like, no, there was a murder that actually already happened before all of this. Someone tried to kill Andy, which is the original, like the, the like the real sister. And then following that, when we catch up to all of it, it's like who someone then tries to shoot Helen, who is the... The imposter sister. We get all these mysteries, and I was just looking for the one mystery, just the one murder, and then suddenly it's like, oh my god, there's so many mysteries. So anyway, to cut all that short, so yeah, you get halfway through the movie and you realise that who Janelle Monae's been playing is a is this? It's all a it's all a front. She's she's faking it. And then we get this giant flashback sequence catching us all up to the events of what's been going on. It was it was daunting at first. I was like, what is happening? But I was also very excited and on the edge of my seat in terms of this was so unexpected and out of the blue. And what, what Janelle Monáe is doing here is in playing these two roles, you can see this very clear difference in the two in the two sisters in the two characters and then when you see when you realize that it's her playing the sister who is pretending to be the other sister you you start to see different things in her performance and it's like oh yeah like she's doing that but it's like it's different very impressed that's the selling point isn't it because whether it's Agatha Christie or these other whodunits, the twin, it's such an overused cliche. <laughs> but, you know, rightly so, you're praising her performance, and that's why it works. Yes. And Johnson, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So sometimes he's quite heavy-handed with what he's doing and with the reveals. And it's not because he's been sloppy, it's intentional. So with the whole twin thing, like again, like it's been done so many times, but he's doing it here with the help of the actress of doing a really good job of selling it. Because you are, you're guessing, I mean, you're supposed to be guessing. It's a whodunit. Yeah. You're supposed to be guessing until the very end. Well, the thing is, like, as we're getting these answers, it's like, oh my God, that's such a big reveal, but rather than that sort of ending the movie on on that review and it's like okay cool here are all the answers to things it just raises more questions which creates more mysteries and it's like i've never watched a whodunit film where like more mysteries pop up as we go like it's just like again i'm sitting there like what is happening 
granted the the overall mystery of who was the one that attempted to kill Andy um, and who was the one that shot or you know tried to kill Helen again we are, when they're on the island I mean it was a pretty safe guess that it was Edward Norton's character and it was and so that was like oh, we saw that coming but how it all transpired what was the circumstances that's all fun to sort of unravel but from the get-go it's like yeah as soon as you realize that okay it's not miles who is the one that's killed okay then he's the one that's behind everything and it is so not many surprises there but bloody hell still a still a crazy journey that we went on all right there's a few more characters in this movie that we we should talk about um like dave patisa's duke cody so again, he's there, and for the time that we we get to spend with him, I feel like he's there's something about Dave Bautista and comedies. Like he, it just seems fun every time you see him on screen doing a comedy type role. Um, he's a lot of fun, and he and he's here, and he does unfortunately end up being the first uh, murder in the movie that we need. Well, to he's poisoned, isn't he? By the glass. Have you have you heard the claim or the statement that Ryan Johnson has made regarding Dave Bautista? He has said he is the best wrestler turned actor. Sure. I mean, of course, for comparison, we're talking people like Hulk Hogan, Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper, and, and there's and there is others. Um, Macho Man Randy Savage, he was in the first Spider-Man film. But yeah, but it's it's something that Johnson has has said. And I can I can see where he's coming from. What Batista was going for him is when you're saying you know the comedy, like it's more of a comedy part that he has here. You think Drax in the Guardians films, which mm. Batista himself has said he's he's happy about the fact that. Volume three will be his last time playing Drax just because he can move away from such a silly character, but a silly character that has obviously done a lot for his career. And then you've got films like the recent Blade Runner film. He's been in a James Bond film. Like he's able to pop up in a variety of films. Like he's not somebody like. Dwayne Johnson, where you're going to just put him in a Jumanji film, you're going to put him in whatever you put Dwayne Johnson in. You, you know, you, you make a point like it, Dwayne Johnson, samey. Even when you look at someone like John Cena, with his approach to comedy, it is kind of the same. It is. I forgot like, Cena. Maybe a Apologies. Bit more, <laughs> a little bit more, um, a little bit more variety, but like, yeah, pretty, pretty samey, pretty samey. But, but John not Cena Batista, has though. Yeah, there's a, a lot of different variety, like serious, funny, like sort of halfway between. He's got an upcoming horror. I'm not sure. Yeah. He's in, you know, like he's, he's doing things. But look, he's he's good it like for what he's in in this movie. And and he's got his little his little sidekick whiskey played by Madeline Klein, who is um I mean look, I'm I'm, I'm not mad that she was in this movie. Nice to look at. <laughs> I'm just like, look, but she, I mean, even her character gets a, a bit of fun, you know, like when she kind of gets hysterical at all the stuff that's going on and she has a bit of a breakdown and has a bit of a moment. And then, you know, like in, in one of the rooms where she's confronting the, the Andy slash Helen character and because purely because I don't know which one is which anymore. Um, and she's, you know, she has a bit of a, a meltdown. Like she's a, she's a fun character as well. Um, Kate Hudson. My beloved Kate Hudson is in this movie. Um, and <laughs> What's this? Possibly, quite possibly. I'd love Kate Hudson. I just why? Why am I? We, we've been doing this for a few years now. Why am I only just you know, finding you know, out? No, I don't, I don't think we've reviewed anything that she's been in. It's never no, come up. Do you know what? When we, uh, to be fair, when, what has she done in the most recent of years? Like she's. Been, well, you seem to be the expert. I don't know. Do you know what? When we did our when we did our Valentine's Day episode, there's a plug for you. Remember we did that. Um, 
I, I must uh, have talked yeah. about you uh, did ten reasons, ten reasons to hate you. How to lose a guy? guy. <laughs> yes, the Matthew McConaughey movie. Literally, the movie that he did favorite, before my favorite rom com movie. I couldn't. Re- think oh, that's it. right. That was your. That's what you said. It's a movie yeah. he did before True Detective and all the success that he's had since. All the other, all the other good stuff. That's right. Um, you. I've not watched it. I, you recommended it on the podcast. I've not gone back. Okay. Kay Hudson, you so love her. Never I didn't seen realize. Anyway, still no, haven't. Yes, no. Anyway, she is getting older, and that's okay. She's still rocking it, but um, yeah, yeah, she's definitely an older. Like I realize now that she's older than me. Do you know what? Now, what I, I this what anyway, this what I'll say. Let's um, let's just be superficial a little bit. What I will say about Kate Hudson in this, and and you've just you've said it already. She's getting older. She looks great in this movie, but she's but she's not. You don't get the impression she's trying to look younger than she is. Like she's aging the way that you would age, and I think she looks great in this film. Yeah, hell, even Catherine Hahn looks great in this movie. Like there are just beautiful people in this movie all the way around. Dave Batista, gorgeous man. (laughs) (laughs) Now look, there's, there's there's um yeah look this just like you said like this cast all around is. You know, it's like it's like A-listers or you know people that are on their way of being A-listers. It's a it's a nicely rounded cast. Um, you know, appealing, beautiful people. Janelle Monet, like just gorgeous, just gorgeous people all the way around. Jessica, um, Jessica say- Henwick, Jessica Henwick. She yes, was in that god awful Iron Fist TV show, and unlike the star, I want to say. Finn Wolf? I can't remember his name. The actor that played Danny Rand Iron Fist. Isn't Finn Wolf? Is Finn Wolf the isn't oh, Wolf the guy? No, no, that's Dick Wolf. I was thinking. Oh no, 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 no. I'm, th- no, no. I'm now thinking of the Stranger Things kid. Finn Wolf. Maybe it's maybe it's <laughs> Finn Finn Jones who was in Finn Iron Jones, Fist, but it's know, it's yeah. it's not but the anyway. point. It's, yeah, I'm gonna say <laughs> it's uh, it is, okay. I'm just had a look. It is Finn Jones. It's not the point that I'm trying to make. Jessica Henwick, she's having a bit of a moment. She popped up in that recent awful Matrix movie. Oh, she's not having much luck, is she? She was in Matrix. Was it Resurrections? Resurrection? What was the most recent one called? Matrix 4? Matrix. Yeah, who cares? Was it Resurrection? <laughs> it was Resurrection or Resurrections. Oh, do you know what? Actually, she's not been having much luck because she she was in the Iron Fist show. She was in the latest Matrix film, and she had a cameo where I don't think her face was seen in a recent Star Wars movie. So she's kind of been doing those things, but then she's in this. She's got more to do. Was that Star Wars movie The Last Jedi? Well, there, there would be your connection, Ryan Johnson. Like, I mean, I that's your connection. Here, I feel like you know, like she was very much in the background for the most part, but then when Which things does make, off and things, you know what, she makes you think, kind of pops a bit. Yeah, but it's, you may think, is it her? She's in the background, and then all of a sudden, she's becoming more important. Like as you're watching mm. it, and you're trying to work out this who done it. But it is a thing oh, no. with Ryan Johnson, though. Like he works for people, and he likes to bring them back. Like he's got that show coming out, Peacock in the US, Stan here in Australia, Poker Face, and that is a mystery drama. And the lead in that is Natasha Leone, and she has a cameo in this. So he does like to work with the same people, doesn't he? He's got his friends, yeah, which is which is fun. Again, he makes some interesting characters for them. Look, some of these characters, even though like you know we enjoy the actors and we like them, and and look, overall, a lot of the characters are they're enjoyable. I think because we hate them so much. Like these, like Kate Hudson, I love her, but this is possibly one of the worst characters she's ever played. Like, it's not a likable character. But not to the point where I'm like, I don't enjoy watching you. I mean, she plays it. Yeah, she plays it very well, and she's she's often clueless. Hate to love. Yeah, it's like her. It's a birdie. She can say out loud, 
the bad things that she's done and what she's associated with, but doesn't quite make the connection of, hey, I'm actually doing a bad thing here. So it's not yeah. as if she's like a evil mustache twirling villain. Like she's not this bad person. Nah, just... She's making bad, uninformed decisions. It's just a there's... bit shit. Yes, <laughs> yes. Can we can we talk about Daryl? Because when I was watching this, I'm like, what is what is happening? And then Miles is like, oh. That's that's just Daryl. He lives like over there on the island. He's not part of the game. He's not part of the game. Either. No part of the game. So, so Daryl, played by Noah Segan, he's a slacker who lives on Miles' as island. But Segan previously appeared in Knives Out as Trooper Wagner. So here he is in the second film as a completely different character. But it turns out that he is a regular in Ryan Johnson's movies, is in all his films as a different character. Madness. But until I knew that, like, because I had to look into it, until I knew that, you're watching it and you're like, who is this devil guy? That, like, things will be happening. Like, you see, the like, the first time you see him, Miles says, it's nothing to do with the mystery, and he moves on. And then every it's, now it's, and then, he just pops up. Or we're just walking just in walking. the background, dude. It's like, yeah. what is? I mean, what is the biggest moment with him? You've got Janelle Monae, whichever sister she's at that time, um, and she like walks into, I think, like his dwelling, like wherever he's sort of living. And he's, I think, he just asks her if she wants to get high or whatever. Like, like, uh, do you want to smoke with me or something? Something like that. And it's like, yeah, cool. Like delightful, delightful little addition to the everything's going on and he was in the running for maybe he was behind everything but wasn't the case um but look let's if we talk about the the murder mystery game like i love the whole setup you know i said earlier but i love the whole setup that it's like they're there to play a game designed by miles and then the game is about to start seconds into it benoit blanc cracks the whole thing he just <laughs> and then oh, the this look, whole this whole dialogue yeah. breaking down the whole thing and then you finish it off with just the the bow and arrow or whatever it is the spear gun do you know do you know what that's great Hilarious. because of the the look on miles's face but you know like when we first started talking about this and it happened during covid they start wearing the masks when we are reintroduced to Benoit Blanc in this film, because of lockdown, COVID, he's been isolating at home. He is bored. And that is, I guess, why he would be more inclined to accept this offer, to go to the island, because he's just been at home and bored. Maybe without COVID, he'd be busy with other cases and he wouldn't have entertained something like this, but he had nothing going on. He's in the bath, he's playing video games, he's bored out of his mind. So when this envelope arrives... I mean, that all works for the initial setup of what we think is actually going on, which is he just gets this puzzle box and then he ends up joining this game on this island and you're right like we would be asking why would he join that and the setup is there because he's bored i put in quotations but then because of the reveal he's actually there on a job like he's but it is interesting though because all of that's irrelevant he arrives (laughs) and miles knows who he is because he's read of the other cases that he's he doesn't know over the years but then he but then he's like so why are you here? And you're like, oh, that's that's interesting. But then you find out that he'd been working all along. We really should know. Is it Andy? Is is it the sister? Andy is the one in the group friend. Helen is the the outsider sister. Right. So it's Helen. Is, so he right. So it's Helen on the island who is pretending to be Andy. Right. So he's been working I'm with pretty Helen. Sure. Right. Well, I'm I'm trusting you, and let's just go with that. But but that sure. dynamic worked in the first 
Knives Out film. And when he's like, I knew you were in- innocent at the beginning. She's like, at what point? And it was like a blood drop on a shoe or whatever. But he cracked the case. Because that was the thing with Knives Out. Like, as well as the family members, as the audience, you don't really know who this character is. He's got a funny accent and often he's quiet, not always contributing, he's listening. But then you find out at the end of the movie, he's this great detective. And he knew all along. But is this where it's going to be? Like, is it always going to be him partnered? And it is very much like, you know, I mentioned the twin trope. And there's many tropes in these whodunits. And and that is a tried and tested formula of a seasoned detective and a novice detective. Anna de Armas in that first movie. We've got a new one here. It just gives him someone to talk to, doesn't it? And And that's it. Otherwise, it's just him running around. And and, and that's it. Yeah, you're not really like you'd have to be talking to himself, like talking out loud to try and solve. What they need to do is. is get creative with that novice secondary character do something different with them or it just just mix it up so whatever happens next but again like oh like we've got all these mysteries presented to us like we get this the giant flashback sequence until we eventually catch up to where we are so we're getting all these answers what i really love about where this movie takes us is that eventually when all the answers are coming out and we've got all these other you know all the our assortment of characters or suspects or whatnot and they're discovering all the answers themselves and they're trying to work it out and they're putting it all on the table and even then like you got this miles character still trying to sell everything that's happening is this really smart intelligent thing and you've got like birdie going along with it being like yeah you're so smart like this whole thing and then you've just got ben Blanc being like no, this is the stupidest. Like, <laughs> none of this is intelligent. And it's basically reversing, you know, it's going back on the writing of this movie. It's like, none of this is actually that smart or intelligent. It's just a bunch of shit that happened. And it's like, I give credit to Ryan Johnson for putting that kind of joke in there where it's like, you're right. Like, this is like, there is actually nothing smart everything that's presented in this movie makes it seem like there's this intricate, really clever murder mystery layered with all these other murders and mysteries on top of it. But it's not really, if you actually like dissect it all, it's all pretty straightforward and it, it's just overcomplicated because we're flashing back. We don't have all the information. And that's right. When Daniel Craig stands there and he's just like, no, this is actually moronic. This is dumb. You're like, yeah, it is. And I'm having a delightful time. And I just love that moment. I feel like I just had an experience with this film where I was like, yeah, I get what they're doing here. I get it. You know, I've mentioned, I think, a couple of times now, Agatha Christie and whether it's the books, the TV, film adaptions, they're dramas. They are crime dramas, mystery films, TV series, books, that is what they are. What sets Knives Apart, or should, what sets Knives Out and Glass Onion apart is also a comedy. That's yeah. that's part of it. So it's not, yeah. so it can be a little bit silly. Like it's not a straight drama mystery. Like it is also part comedy which it does allow Johnson to play around with it. And and as you say, like he can call out his own film. This is silly. This doesn't make sense. Some because it's been so long since his film's come out, like before we got to review it, like some of the critiques is that it is too silly and doesn't make sense all the time. But Johnson is doing something different here like he's playing in a space like 20th century studios are adapting Agatha Christie like so far we've had two films with Kenneth Branagh as Poirot we've had two so far and he's 
soon to make a third film. But other than that and this, there's not too many whodunits. So I like the fact that he's having fun with these films. But some people, this film in particular, comparing to that first one, seem to be having issue that it doesn't all line up as neat. But do you know what, like, you know, he's he's got the jokes in there and he's, you know, he's he is taking a crack at himself and being like, like, let's not take ourselves so seriously, which I think in a way is almost like smoke and mirrors because you pull all that back again, like an onion, there's actually so much like really clever, whether it's a visual thing or or just an artistic choice in terms of just presenting, you know, like filmmaking, framing something. There's a whole aspect of the Mona, like the, the Mona Lisa is is featured in this film as, you know, like a, as a you know proper a thing that we're looking at that's behind this security glass thing. The final shot, well, it might be the final shot, one of the final shots of Janelle Monet has her sitting in the exact same pose, making the same expression as the Mona Lisa. Like it's been this through line thing throughout the movie. And then at the end, it's not blatantly obvious. It was definitely something that I, what, what the internet told me. And then I was like, well, mind blown. Like there's all this crazy stuff like that in this movie. I'm not, I'm not that smart. So I can't work this stuff out. I missed that. I think you shared that with me as well. But yeah, no, that, like, that is, is, is a very cool detail. There's just things like that throughout the movie that it's like, the man is doing some, again, whether it's visual or just through dialogue or or something else, just the way he frames something. There are clever things like that. What he's taking the piss out of is just the story and the stuff that's unfolding. <laughs> the story that he wrote. <laughs> but he's still making a, a rather intelligent film and what he's putting together and his choices in, in what he's presenting on screen. So it's like... Yeah, pres- well... There's a fun, said, silly movie yeah. in this really clever, creative... It is silly, but yeah. when you've got a character, Benoit Blanc, calling out the fact that it's silly, it's not as if Johnson has made what he thinks is the best film and then people are saying it's silly. Like, characters within his film, dialogue that he wrote, yeah. is calling out... Calling out the, the film. It's an interesting one. You know what I read recently? The the painting of the Mona Lisa is on wood and not a canvas. And often when it's depicted in film and TV, it's always on a canvas. All right. But in reality, it was painted on wood. And in this film, when it's destroyed, you see the wooden embers. So that's interesting how that's like an extra bit of real life detail that they've included for dramatic effect. Canvas would be more dramatic if damaged, but it's in Mm. this movie, it's wood just like in real life. I mean, that whole like final sequence with basically all the characters just losing their shit, destroying the place, smashing all the glass um, and then just setting the place ablaze. Like, pretty glorious. And what's funny is that the Benoit Blanc character actually removes himself before that happens. He, he just claims, I don't have jurisdiction here. Like, I've I've solved the mystery. We've got the answers we want. Now over to you, side character. I will step out. <laughs> yep. And it's just hilarious. Like, you've got this, like, literally the whole place is up in flames. And then you've got just Benoit Blanc and and... Daryl or whatever his name is, just sitting by the waterfront, just in, just enjoying their time. <laughs> it's, it's just glorious. I don't know. Delightful, crazy ending. Like, it goes big. It just goes big after all the craziness. I mean, this is a, as we've said, a Netflix film. So it's easily accessible. So I definitely will be revisiting this film. Yeah, I might, I said do, the, I might do a back-to-back, the first one. Yeah, that's probably a good way. Oh, yeah, no, I I did um, a couple of weeks before I rewatched Knives Out. I think I've seen it three times now, cinema and then twice streaming. 
But yeah, I just well, wanted, I wanted to leave a little bit of space. Like I purposely didn't watch it a second time before reviewing it. I had that first viewing and that's what I was going to base this review on. But I will definitely be going back watching it again. Well, let's do it then. Let's. You've watched this a couple of times, so you should have a... No, just one time. Just still, just one time. Anyway, what I'm trying to say, I'm just trying to lead into. It. Let's rate this thing um, out of five. What would you give Glass Onion? It is not that first film. That first film, I watched and immediately loved. There was nothing else. I'm saying there's nothing else out. I think Murder on the Orient Express. I think maybe that had been out. But regardless, we've. We've had that story many times, books, TV, film, Knives Out. It was just so, it was just so fresh and it felt fresh and original, but it was that thing that they used to make a lot of years ago. Like it was the whodunit. It's, there's just something about those stories, characters, twists and turns. A detective is introduced smarter than everyone else in the room. It worked for Knives Out and it does work for, glass onion i mean i said like regardless of what i think of this film benoit blanc daniel craig please just keep making them five <laughs> ten fifteen doesn't yeah. matter it, there's just something something about it it's like whenever you see daniel craig in interviews he's so serious he's so serious like all the time and you just get that that's what that's the vibe you just get from him as a person and he was great as Bond. He really was. But the Bond era is over for him. And it just seems like the character, Benoit Blanc, it just allows him to just do something a little bit different. Like, he is a serious character, but he's a fun character. He's quirky. To having him be in the movie, I'm automatically going to like it. And then... Just like Knives Out, we're getting introduced to this all-star cast, interesting characters. It's, I don't want to keep comparing it, but it it's not that first movie, but it is a fun murder mystery. I did enjoy it. I mean, the, the location is excellent and so far removed from that first film. I'm going to come in at a, at a four out of five, this one. Remember, Knives Out was a five out of five for me, mm. but this is a very strong four out of five. I I can stand by pretty much everything you just said. Then, so I'll make I'll make this the abridged version of that. You're right. Like this isn't that first movie, and I think I also gave, if not a five, it was a high. It was four and a half, four and a half or something. Um, but I'm going to come in at a four as well. Um, for this one, it, it's not that first movie, but still a lot of fun um, i was worried at the start but the movie definitely won me over um rather quickly you know once we get to the island and things start happening again if you want to if you want a murder mystery you get like four or something in this movie so it's it's good it's it, it's it's good again characters the location the you know it's funny it's smart it's pretty crazy and it keeps you on your toes the overall murder look saw it coming but there's still enough mysteries to keep you guessing throughout. And yeah, that mind blowing twist. I imagine if you're listening to us, you probably watched the movie already because shit. Like, but so we can't really sit and be like, I recommend you watch it. Um, but no, that's, that's our thoughts. All right, cool. All right. Trivia time. So you already mentioned Joseph Gordon Levitt um, voices Miles's clock, also known as the hourly dong. Great name. Um, but much like that other guy, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has appeared in all of Ryan Johnson's films. So since working together on Brick, which was a noir mystery set in a California high school, uh, Johnson and Gordon-Levitt have remained friends and collaborators with Gordon-Levitt getting a at least a tiny role in all of Johnson's movies. So besides also starring in his 2012 time travel action movie Looper, Gordon-Levitt had a cameo in Johnson's 2008 comedy The Brothers Bloom and a minor speaking role as an alien with a Texas role in 2017 Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh. So in 2019's Knives Out, Gordon Levitt appeared via voiceover playing a TV detective whose voice is heard through a laptop 
early in the movie. So ah, he is that's in there cool. Every every one of the of his movies. That was really cool. I didn't great. know I didn't know about the Star Wars one. I knew about the Knives Out one. That's cool. And wasn't Daniel Craig was in one of the Star Wars, right? He was a stormtrooper. Yeah. Was that was that Force Awakens or was that? I think it was Force Awakens. Yeah. Sure. And do you know what? Who done it? Murder mystery. Angela Lansbury is in this film. Murder she wrote. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, like all those cameos on the so many, the, so uh, many cameos. Unfortunately, Zoom or whatever he's she, she passed away before this movie was released. It was her and Steven Soderheim. Both of them passed away after filming their cameos mm. for this film. So there's actors that appeared in cameos like Serena Williams, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. He's in there as well. I know he's a basketball player, but for me, he was in Airplane. For you in Australia, I guess he was in Flying High. <laughs> you guys got to film me a different, different title. And then some really like quirky cameos. Jared Leto and Jeremy Renner's likeness appear on bottles yes, of true, yeah. kombucha and hot sauce. So there you go. There's a lot going on wow. in this movie. You've really got to... Brian Johnson I mean, loves cameos. That's you need an attention to detail. All right, well, that's it for our review of Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, we recently reviewed Black Panther Wakanda Forever. We also have our year in review 2022 episode coming very soon. Don't believe you. Um, <laughs> I keep saying it. It is coming. Uh, you've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film studio. Peace out.